Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Making Money Simple podcast. In today's episode, I'm joined by Fando and Lindy from at Skilled Finances on Instagram, and we're going to be talking all about how to manage your personal finances as a couple. Fando and Lindy, how are you guys doing today? Hi, Ryan. We're doing really great. Thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time to come on and hopefully we're going to be providing a lot of value to people who maybe aren't just in a relationship, but also those who are single. So then going forward, when they are in a relationship, they know exactly how to manage their money. The first thing I wanted to say to you, a very open-ended question, but how? what are some tips you have to actually manage your money maybe that you've pulled on from yourself? How is what is there the approach to manage your money as a couple? I assume it's going to be different couple to couple and different personalities but what sort of I guess like blueprint tips would you give people yeah that's a very good question um I'd probably say like you said every couple is going to be different um some couples you know are quite early in the relationship it's still still new we're still figuring out what's going on um other couples have uh, are in an official relationship but they're not quite committed, yeah. if that makes mm. sense. So they, they they know they like each other or they, they you know, have feelings for each other. So they're for it, they're for the relationship, but there's still a bit of growing to do and a bit of getting to know each other to see if there's any future. And then other couples uh, have kind of gone through that phase and have decided that, yep, this is a long-term commitment for me. So let's go for it. And across all three elements, I'd say the thing that definitely um, applies to all all of them is just having that honesty and openness about your finances. Now, this will mean very different things to very different people. But ultimately, for me, it's about being comfortable to share something with your partner, whether you agree or disagree. <laughs> um, nice. And also... Risky, very risky. <laughs> very risky, absolutely, very, absolutely risky. Um, but, you know, that's, that's how you really get to know someone mm. and you start to have those conversations. So for me, it's having those conversations and in those conversations, it's having the honest conversations. And, you know, for, for some people, it's, for example, sharing with your partner how much uh, you earn from your job. Whereas mm. for other people, they might say, I'm not comfortable sharing that. And I think being open enough to even be um, transparent enough and say that is better than not saying anything and not approaching the yeah. money conversation. Because what then ends up happening is you may leave the conversation too late um, or when it's a little bit awkward, then you start to have the money talk when things have gone wrong rather than mm-hmm. just approaching it up front and just saying, hey, what do you think about saving? What do you? How do you yeah. feel about investing? Like, mm-hmm. are you for or against debts? Like, what do you think about X, Y, Z? And start to really open those conversations up. And I think that's, for me, is the foundation for any couple. And then I guess when is a good time to, do you think, start asking them questions? Because to be honest, if I'm on a first date, I don't think I'm going to get a second <laughs> date if I start asking them what are they invested into. <laughs> but no, yeah. So I guess when do you think is a good, once it starts getting a bit more serious? And like, I do appreciate this is very subjective and different from couple to couple. But I guess once it starts getting a bit more serious, maybe once you've moved in together, or is that too late to then start talking about your finances and how your views align? Um, Yeah, so like you said, it's quite subjective, um, depending on the couple. But what we did is we started talking about it when we felt comfortable. Um, One of the things we always have to remember when it comes to finances is that they're very personal. It's such a touchy subject and a Mm. very personal subject. So once you get comfortable with the person, it's good to start talking about um, different things to do with your finances. For some, they'll become very comfortable maybe after the first date. But for some, it might take them a while. But I feel like it's never too 
early to start talking about them and you should all um as a couple couples should always start having those conversations um before you get too serious i'd say because um certain things might be deal breakers for you and you don't want to get to a point where you're too serious and yeah. then you start finding out things that are deal breakers yeah. but get comfortable enough to start talking about those things and you don't have to dive into the deep end with it you can start talking about some of the simpler things and some of the things that you feel like okay this isn't like a very big thing but i can talk about it so it does depend with each and every single couple yeah, I think that's a very good tip, actually. You don't want to be halfway down the altar in church and then <laughs> realise that your money views don't align. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess in terms of getting that like conversation started then, is there any sort of good one-liners that you could use or is it more just literally like just saying how do you, or should, like, what's your relationship with money? How do you find managing your money? Or is there, have you highlighted or pinpointed a few good sort of specific questions you can use to get that ball rolling and open that? can of worms absolutely so so we've um recently put together a um a couple's money workbook and in that workbook the very first exercise is giving couples a list of questions to ask your partner to open up that conversation um there isn't really a, a i guess a one-liner <laughs> um, it just <laughs> depends on how you want to approach it because you could ask different kinds of questions so for example you could ask kind of straight to the numbers how, how much do you earn um <laughs> what's your credit score how much have you got saved or invested? But again, that for me, that's probably a risky straight bullets um, mm. sort of strategy. I'll probably start off with more uh, softer things, which aren't about the numbers, but are about, say, habits or mindset. So you may start off with a question like, what was money like growing up with, with you and your family? Yeah. Um, what were you taught about money? What lessons do you wish you learned about money? Trying to get um, a feel for how they view money. Yeah, yeah, just get a feel of what their money mindset is and how they view money. You could even ask them a very open-ended question that's got nothing to do with their personal finances, but that has everything to, to do with their mindset, which could be something like, um, do you believe that it's wrong or right to be rich and wealthy? And why is that? Mm, um, that's an interesting question. A very interesting one, absolutely. And And you would think that, you know, everyone might think the same things, but I've met people who are very different on the opinion about whether it's wrong or right to be rich and wealthy. Um, and even what it means, you know, what does rich and wealthy mean to you? Uh, and, and that you find very, very interesting conversation starts to spark just from asking those kinds of questions. You might even ask a fun question, like um, if you had 50,000 pounds to spend, not save or invest or pay off your debt, say, what would you do with fund. it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to put that disclaimer in to say, don't invest it. <laughs> don't save it. Don't put it um to, to towards your debts. What would you do with fifty thousand pounds cash right now? You know, and you and then that question really opens up their spending habits potentially. Um, and you might even ask a question to to try and cash out the you know their their appetite to risk. Like, um, would you rather have ten thousand pounds right now, um, or would you rather flip a coin and potentially win a million? Oh yeah, that's you a, know it's like oh, you're trying to money psychology stuff there exactly you're, you're getting into the psychology behind the way they view money and the way they feel about money that way you can start to really learn how they feel and you and you actually may have find that some things you agree with and some things you have completely different opinions about yeah no that honestly some quality tips so long story short people need to go and get a couple money starter kit don't they <laughs> yeah. like literally yes <laughs> this, is, this is just a flavor of what's to come absolutely um, i guess one question i'd ask both of you two then did you two make any mistakes when you when you start first started talking about it or actually managing your money together um like what did you run into any issues or blocks in the road 
Oh, yeah. we'll, we'll be here with that. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, guess, what, what were some of the main ones then? <laughs> I would say the talking part. So yeah. one of the things I think we just came into it thinking, oh yeah, we know what we're doing. It's fine. But it's very different when you talk to someone and when you actually listen to them. So I think we were both talking and saying, well, this is how I'd like to do stuff, but we weren't exactly listening to each other. Mm. And that caused us to bump heads quite a lot. And it caused a lot of tears as well. But as time went forward, we started to understand that we have to listen to each other. We have to understand where the other person's coming from. It doesn't mean that just because maybe Tanda wants something today, he'll get it today. But it means that, okay, you want something, let's work towards getting it. So we might get it in a few months down the line. So it was very important for us to start listening to each other and making necessary adjustments and just trying to meet each other's expectations as well at the same time. So communication is key. And I think that that was one of the first things that we failed at because we just thought, well, we love each other, so it's fine. We'll just say what we want and (laughs) things will happen. But love alone is not going to solve that issue. You have to communicate and be on the same page. So I guess if you both want something then, do you sort of split it? Like you want a new pair of trainers, you want a new dress or something. Would you split it or would you like do one thing, at, get one thing first, then get the second thing next, if that makes sense? Or is it just sort of depending on at the time and how the rest of your money's looking, I guess? Yeah. So I say it depends with at the time. So normally with things that maybe don't cost as much. So we have a spending allowance every month. So Tanda gets his, I get mine. So we can sort of get those things. (laughs) But then when it comes to the big things, so for example, Tanda's a musician. So Tanda likes a very expensive keyboard, very expensive guitar. None of the um, music stuff is cheap. So all of it is expensive. So if Tanda was to come to me today and be like, okay, babe, I really want us to get, I really want this keyboard. Can we get it? What we would normally do if is if we've not saved for it, we would then talk about, okay, how can we save up for it so that you can get it? So it means that we might not be able to get it today, but we might save up for it over the next couple of months and we'll, we'll be able to get it in like three or four months mm-hmm. instead. So we have to talk about those things and just adjust our budgets and just be on the same page about them. That is a great approach. And that is why you two are the power money couple. What what an explanation. (laughs) The next thing I'd ask you then is, what is your opinion on joint accounts? I know you've done a recent Instagram post on it. Um, Yeah, what is your view on joint accounts? When is a good time to, because that's probably very official, I'd say, once you actually have a joint account together and start sharing all of your expenses. And I guess if you are to get married and live together, that's a necessary thing to do. Um, But what is your view on them and when that should actually happen? Yeah, you're right. I think, like you said, joint account makes it feel official. It makes it feel real. It makes it serious. I think um, one of the mistakes that new couples, and we made this mistake, so I'm not speaking from like a high table or anything. um, The mistake that we made was that we automatically assumed that, okay, let's have a joint account because we now live together. Um, We didn't really ask the question of why do we want a joint account and what are we going to do with it? And Mm. how does it fit in with the way that we view money? Um, and that for me is the first, is the bigger question. As long as you know how you are, because there's different ways to manage money as a couple. So as long as you know which way you're managing your money, um, 
then you ask the question, does a joint account fit with that decision or fit with that mm. strategy mm. of managing your money? Um, and then if it does fit, how does it fit exactly? So um, do we have one joint account for everything or do we have certain joint accounts for only, say, the shared bills and then we leave everything else separate? Yeah. What does that look like? So that's the um, my thought on joint, joint accounts is, to be honest, it is just an account. It's just a vehicle of how you're going to use your money. What's more important is actually just having a joint mindset or a joint agreement in how you're going to manage your money, which is key. You could have you could have sole accounts as long as you are in agreement with what you're doing with your finances. That's yeah. important. I was going to say, actually, could you still see a situation where you would have a joint account for maybe things such as bills um, and like rent or the mortgage, but then still have your own separate accounts, which you use for your own discretionary spending? Yeah, exactly that. So, uh, and this comes back to what I was asking earlier about why you should have joint accounts. So from our perspective, we have joint accounts purely for convenience um, because, you know, you can imagine how annoying it would be if the groceries money was in my account, but then Lindy was going to Asda to do the food shop mm. and then I have to transfer the money. It's like, well, you might as well have the uh, have access to that account as well because we both are going to be buying groceries um, and we both be paying our bills and we both will be paying for maybe um, uh, other bits like takeaways that we both have, etc. But anything that's maybe just for me and everything that's just for Lindy by herself, sure, just have your own accounts for those things. Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess when it comes to that, joint account then in terms of actually putting money in there what do you think is a sensible way to split it because i assume people would think 50 50 but then yep. just say if one partner makes 70 percent of the household income yeah and other party other, other partner makes 30 percent that that seems like a fairer way to do it even though i know that one person is then putting in more of the money but yeah do you think like splitting it based on salary is probably the fairest way to do it when you're using that joint account if you if you want to be fair in the in the true sense of the word fair, then absolutely. <laughs> so you will you will kind of basically you'd add up all your um your outgoings in the house, your shared living expenses, and then you would then add up your monthly income for the both of you, and then you kind of do a percentage. So if one partner is seventy percent is the is the earner of the household income, and then the other earner is thirty percent worth, then you split the bills according to the same split. So yeah. the one who earns more pays more in theory. Um, however, the reason why you would do that is because that's technically fair based on what the, each person is able to to handle financially. Um, whereas some people they actually they actually disregard the income and they just look at okay our monthly outgoings is one thousand pounds right down the middle five hundred pounds each. Yeah, and that can be a bit dodgy if there is one partner earning significantly more. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It, and it can it can honestly lead to so many issues because the one who earns more, all of a sudden has more disposable income, yeah. Yeah. more money to save and invest and to spend. Buying more keyboards and... You know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly that. That's you know, three keyboards this month. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, easy, easy, without blinking an eye. So that's, that's... And those kinds of situations will start to really breed a lot of resentment even between the couples because then the one who earns less is thinking well, hang on a minute, um, we're both pulling the same weight in yeah. theory because we're paying £500 each. Yeah. But however, it's not fair because I don't have much money left compared to what you've got. Mm. So let's you know revisit this conversation. Um, whereas, because doing it the, the, the way that we said is fair, one thing to keep in mind is that the one who earns more money may feel like they're pulling a lot of the weight and start to feel like, well, yes, I earn more money, but 
I'm pulling a lot of weight. I might as well yeah, pay for everything. And that can also lead to some sort of, um, some sort of negative feelings and impacts. And this is why the communication bit, which is the very first thing that we mentioned, yeah. mm. is the most important thing. Because as long as you're in constant communication about how you feel, what you're thinking, the way you're managing your finances, if it works, because you can change over time, we've changed ours over time. Um, that's what you need to keep, uh, keep, keep up really. Yeah, I can see how, like, in that specific scenario, the person, if they were paying 100%, would just have the sort of say, it's getting to me a bit and I want to split it based on our incomes rather than just sort of paying for everything every single time. I can see how communication is the sort of crux of it, making it work. Mm. Um, moving into st- things such as budgeting, you know, like investing, tracking your investments, tracking your budget, tracking your net worth, them sort of things, which I enjoy doing and I do for myself at the moment. Yeah, How do you think that should work? in a couple do you think people should track their own investments separately or combine them all together same with like budgeting and net worth how do you think is a sensible way to do that as a couple um so i'd say that it depends with how the couple feels to be fair um in our case we actually do everything together although we've got separate um investment accounts um, but we're both aware what goes into each investment account, but we budget together. So once a month we sit down, we budget together, we decide all of our outgoings and expenses and savings and investments together. Um, and then we just split it that way. Um, but I definitely say that it's important for the couple to communicate because for some all couples, comes back to that. <laughs> yeah, it comes back to the communication because some couples may want to work a different way. They might want to do their network separately. They might want to um, invest separately. They might want to do everything separately. But depending on how you've decided to deal with your finances from the get-go, that will influence how you handle your budget. That will influence how you handle your investments and everything else going forward. Yeah. yeah one thing to add on really quickly to that is that it also depends if uh, you're a married couple or not. Just... It's it's a it's a slight thing. <laughs> well, okay, it's a big thing. It's a big deal. <laughs> it's a very big deal. Um, but from a financial perspective, um, it's a slight thing because when you're not married, the way the law treats you when it comes to assets um, is going to be very different as yeah. a married couple. Oh, great point. Um, so if you're not married, then you might think to yourselves, well, yes, okay, based on the laws of the UK, <laughs> that's just how they are. Um, maybe we want to track our net worth separately. Um, because obviously, when you, if the reason why I'm saying this is that if you separate from your partner, mm. if you're unmarried, um, what was your partner's is your partner's, and what's yours yeah. is yours. There yeah. isn't there isn't a split share down the middle uh, that you'd get with um, with a married couple. Yeah, that's um, a great tip actually. So that's so, when it's sensible to probably do it separately. Yeah, that's when it's possible to, to to really think about what does it mean to do things separately. What does it mean to do things jointly? And this goes even to things like investments and pensions mm. and etc. You can see how it can quickly become quite messy if you're not communicating openly. About it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> a couple of scenarios then. So what is a good thing to do? Just say you're in a relationship and the other person just isn't good with money. You know, they get paid, they spend it all on payday. They never seem to be able to have enough to see them through to the next payday. Mm. Or maybe not, not even just might not be good of it, but just they're not interested in managing their money. I, I guess you're probably going to say it comes back to communication, but what can you do in that situation? Maybe it's just not the right fit as much as you might like them. <laughs> yeah, for me, do you know what? It's it's communication is part of it, but but education is also a big part of that. Yeah, because um, half of the times there's a there's a certain uh, I guess um, assumption that 
my partner just knows what I know. Yeah. <laughs> but you kind of have to have to understand that actually your partner might not have the same knowledge about money as you do or the same mindset about money mm. as you do. So sometimes there really needs to be an education piece in, in place. Um, you know, I'll give an example, you know, in our own personal lives. So um, rewind back, what, three, four years ago, mm. Lindy wasn't, wasn't into investing. Like I'd say it and it just goes in one ear and out the other basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so it took me, you know, it really, um, I guess, showing her by example. So I'll show her my investment portfolio, and I'll show her what's happened with mine um, over the over the year, etc. And he explained it. Ex- exactly. And he asked me no. questions. Yeah, yeah. Get, <laughs> getting you involved in everything. I'm like, do you understand? Are you charging this for this service, Randall? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm still waiting for my paycheck to come through <laughs> yeah. for that one. Still, still, still invoiced, yeah. Yeah, still unpaid after all these years, imagine. Um, so that education piece is is then what really, um, I guess, turned things around for us. But even in that, it wasn't me sort of forcing her into it, which is another very big deal because even though, you know, personal finance to personal finance per, uh, to, uh, educator, you understand that investing plays a big part, but not everyone yeah. really understands it. So yeah. um, if, you're, if your partner is, I'm using investing as an example, this can apply to anything, but if your partner is not quite, um, I guess, connected to or aligned to the mindset of investing, um, there's a certain approach that you need to take, which is not a matter of, I know more than you, I know better than you, so you have to listen to me. <laughs> yeah. um, it's just a matter of having that conversation with your partner to say, this is what could happen if you, you know, if you invested. Um, and trust me, this is not a one-off conversation. It could take months, <laughs> it could yeah. take years, but if you keep at it and if you lead by example, i.e. you show them what you've done in the same thing that you're teaching them or trying to teach them, eventually things will start to turn around. Um, but yeah, absolutely. It takes dedication and it takes a lot of um, a, a, a focused approach. Yeah. No, I do like that tip about education. I can just sort of imagine turning up to a first date with rich dad, poor dad, <laughs> and, and give them the book, read that and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, <laughs> but exactly. No, no. I think, yeah, particularly if one, like you were saying, you were obviously into investing and Lindy wasn't. So, you know, educating over a few weeks and months can make it, I guess, make your views align. You both see the value in, you know, investing for the long term. Yeah. Um, yeah. A, a similar sort of question, and just the last one on to the end on, was if one person just simply doesn't want to talk about it, no matter what, every time you try and bring it up, it just causes pain and arguments and tears. Is that just the point where it's just got to be a deal breaker, do you think? Or is there, or is there any way really around that if one person just simply refuses, not even that they're bad with money, they just refuse to talk about it, refuse to sit down and have a like sensible, mature, educational discussion about it. In that case, is it just sort of got to call it quits? <laughs> yeah, this this is a really, really big question. This is a really big question. I, I would personally say that if I was in that position, these are the kind of things that I would think about and start to do. So first and foremost, um, I would try my best to understand my partner's mindset. Right. Um, mm. And that may mean that I I ask questions around money, but never actually mention in the financial terms, um, just so that they, they <laughs> don't trigger. Or index the university. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. I get it, yeah. You know, so and, and trying to really kind of get their mindset on how they, what they think and even just what they what they believe in. Because genuinely speaking, um, there are couples whereby one partner believes in um, investing for the future. Another partner believes, well, the money I'm earning is for me to enjoy. <laughs> so really understanding what drives them, what their values are, what their beliefs are, 
that mm-hmm. way, when you're having the money conversation, you know how to approach it. So and a quick example of this is that uh, for Lindy, she is motivated by security, whereas I'm motivated by, by the numbers. So <laughs> numbers man, I'm a numbers man. Yeah. <laughs> but from her perspective, she's she's more security person. So when I was I guess, teaching or educating about investing. I wasn't talking about percentages and rate of returns, etc. Um, mm. I was simply talking to her about the what investment brings, you know, what's the outcome of investing? What's the security that you will get by having these investments oh, in your portfolio? I see you did that, yeah, nice. Yeah. And then once she understood the security bit, then you bring in the numbers because now she's she's buying into the idea. <laughs> get the um, compound interest calculator out. <laughs> exactly. Now bring in the compound interest calculator and bring out <laughs> the fun fact sheet and everything else and be like, okay, this is what this means. And then, you know, take it from there. So understanding your partner's mindset is is probably the best thing you can do in that situation because once you understand that, you will then understand how am I going to communicate? What is it that they would buy into? Um, and what is it that they will completely disagree with? But at the same time, mm. you want to make them feel like they're part of the, um, I guess, part of the, the, the equation rather yeah. than I'm just telling you what to do because I want you to do what <laughs> right. I'm doing. Yeah, um, you want there sense. to be a, a situation where you say, okay, you know what, I'm happy for my part to maybe not do X, Y, so that you can have A and B, um, but can we meet in the middle with, you know, X, Y, Z kind of thing, and then see how that goes. And I guess, yeah, as as you've mentioned many times, it all sort of just comes down to open communication at the end of the day, can solve a lot of problems, especially money problems. In a yeah, couple. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and to be honest with you, if if it's needed then you could seek professional uh, sort of advice mm. or sort of speak to a, an independent third party person who will be unbiased. So you can't go to your family and friends for this. Uh, but someone make your money simple, feel free to message me. <laughs> exactly that, exactly that. So someone will be completely unbiased um, and, and just guide you in those conversations because sometimes you just need that third person in the room just to keep the conversation on yeah. a level head, you know? Yeah, before it breaks out into an argument. <laughs> exactly. Fando and Lindy, thank you very much for joining me for this podcast. It's been very enjoyable and I've certainly learned a lot, a lot of great tips. I know people can find you on Instagram at Skilled Finances and across social media. And I know you've recently released a product. So do you want to plug that here at the end? Yeah, thank you, Ryan. So yeah, so we're Skilled Finances and you can find us on social media. We're also on skilledfinances.com. And we've recently released a couple's money starter kit which is a workbook for couples to really start working together as a team with your finances. Um, as we said, this applies to all couples in every situation. Um, so you can go to skilledfinances.com um, slash um, shop and you'll see it on there. Or you can DM us on Instagram and we'll be happy to answer questions to talk to you about what exactly it brings. Um, but essentially, it's a workbook for you and your partner to get on the same page about money. More of what we've been talking about, even more in depth than this podcast episode. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, Fando Lindy, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for having us.